Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zaki, along with Polish Pipe on Jeff Orlowski. How you doing, sir? Oh, God. If I was any better, it'd be illegal, Steve. You know, we should get out the Great Lakes Great Lakes Dragway this weekend. We got the Summit Supercar Series here. Yeah, I know. I know. That is awesome. I wish I can get down there. Uh, I, I just bought a new house, so I've got a lot of stuff on my oh, plate right excuses, now. Excuses, excuses. Yeah, times are going to be a little busy in the uh, in Pipe Bottom Town, but, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully it all works out well, but uh, the thought of moving and, and all that kind of crap just... I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Well, uh, not only do we have NASCAR racing this weekend, of course, NASCAR is at Atlanta this weekend. We got IndyCar racing in Texas. Hell yeah. How about that? Love it. The return of IndyCar and uh, on an oval the way it should be. So uh, I love it. And, uh, you know, IndyCar in Texas, you know, they had a. Kind of a mixed history because uh, I think it was two years ago where they were running there and uh, <laughs> everybody was pissed off because at the end of the race, there was like three cars left on the track because everybody else crashed out. <laughs> now, I loved it. Uh, I had that on. Uh, I recorded that race, so I was able to, you know, fast forward through uh, all the cautions and all that kind of stuff and uh, and, and just absolutely loved it. But uh you know me and oval racing, so I'm I'm ready, man. Bring bring on IndyCar. So we got practice going on now, and then at 4 p.m. they're going to have qualifying, single car, qualifying, cumulative time of two laps, uh, and then 6:30 NBC Sports Network pre-race. But then the uh, the the race is on at seven o'clock at NBC. So this is going to get interesting. It'll be interesting what the ratings are for the IndyCar race being on the big network. This. I- yeah, I night. think it'll do some good numbers. You know, obviously Saturday night is tough because, uh, you know, in in normal normal times, 
Uh, people are out on Saturday and uh, date night and all that kind of stuff and take the kids to the movies and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it's a different time that we live in now. And uh, so I, I think they're going to have some some really good numbers on uh, uh, tonight. And uh, and we'll see. But I, I expect big ratings, especially being on, on the network. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the schedule, a different schedule, as this is the IndyCar opener. They're about to run at uh, St. Pete down in March, but that's when the uh, proverbial beep was going to hit, hit the fan uh, that weekend or that week, and uh, they did not run. So uh, the weekend or the, the schedule opens up this weekend at Texas, and then uh, I'm going to take off a few weeks uh, until July 4th, the big weekend at Indy at, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where it's going to be a Saturday doubleheader, uh, IndyCar and Xfinity. Yeah. That's going to be huge. And then you got the Brickyard 400 on that Sunday. So the 4th of July weekend at Indianapolis is going to be huge. And then the weekend after that, we got the doubleheader at Road America mm-hmm. with fans. As we announced earlier uh, in the show, fans will be available or will be welcome uh, to the IndyCar doubleheader at Road America on uh, the weekend of July. I think it's 11th and 12th. Uh, and uh, for the IndyCar doubleheader. And then the weekend after that, it's Iowa for a doubleheader. So, see, IndyCar is kind of doing the same thing with NASCAR. You're trying to double up on some of these dates, making up for lost time. So, uh, basically, you're going to have in about six weeks, you're, they're going to be running about six races, but on only uh, four race weekends. Yeah, you know, and three race weekends, I should say. It, uh, I, I do like the double headers. I, um, I enjoy that. I think that uh, there was some criticism to it. I know some people were, you know, eh, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, especially, especially in this environment. You know, you got to do what you got to do at this point. Uh, you know, you have teams that rely on race sponsorship, race sponsorship. Uh, is is based on races and television exposure, and so for the benefit of the teams, you know, you you, you really need to you know double up on these things, and you know, and it's the same thing with NASCAR too. Yeah, I know, and I I agree a thousand percent. My problem uh, with IndyCar, and this is every year, not just this year with the screwed up schedule and and everything like that. So you open up tonight. June 6th, their next race, one month later on the 4th of July. You don't get a chance to build off of the casual fans that you bring in for a Saturday night show on the big network. So say they draw 5 million viewers Mm -hmm. tonight, okay? Well, all right. Thanks, guys. You know, I uh, hope you hope you had a great race. You know, hope you loved the race and and you really enjoyed it. We'll see you in a month. Well, I think they were they tried to do that, and you had the situation with Toronto, uh, with them not able to do Toronto, with the situation in Canada, them not wanting to. Uh, the IndyCar opener was, or the IndyCars are supposed to be at Road America in three weeks or two weeks, I should say, and with that, I think. They thought, well, let's, let's, is it better? You know, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to have fans in two weeks at Road America, but they thought, well, if we move it out to July, we're pretty darn sure we're going to be able to. 
So I think it was a you know situation where let's make sure let's move this thing back so we know for sure we can get fans because for promoters, it's not like NASCAR where the these these tracks are insulated by the TV television package that's paying these tracks and the teams. IndyCar does not have that benefit. They still need that fan element. They were able to get this done at Texas with some finagling with Roger Penske and Eddie Gossage down at, at Texas. They were able to come to an agreement on that. But with the, I think it's, I think their hands were kind of tied on that. Trust me, if they if they could have, they would have put a, another race in there, stuck another race in between there. But there wasn't really. I think the oper- I think the problem was. They didn't want to put another no fan event in there. It wasn't going to make for for financial reasons and whatnot. It, it just didn't want. They didn't want to do that. I know. And this is a they tough didn't want year. to crowbar it in there. It's a tough year and all that. But you have states like Iowa that never shut down, never had to stay at home, and you know you still you're running that five weeks after the opener. And, you know, so say if you wanted to keep that weekend, fine. But when, you, when you're putting your schedule together and you've got a one-month gap between race one and race two, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors. Now, they do. Uh, their second race on the 4th of July is on the NBC net, uh, you know, network well, NBC as well. So good for them. Even if they think outside the box, let's say they go, hey, let's go to Milwaukee. Milwaukee, what State Fair would have turned them down? There would have been tracks that turned them down, but you could have sat there and found tracks to race at. You know, which ones though? Like I said, Richmond. Part of the problem there in this because Richmond, they didn't want the race. They couldn't do the race. They couldn't come to an agreement. They couldn't get a a time because Virginia shut down. So now where? Like I said, you got Iowa that never had to stay at home order. I'm sure that there are other. Uh, I don't have the. I don't list think of the they wanted. I don't think they wanted to do two races at Iowa, two weekends. I think they they wanted to do the double weekend because Iowa with 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 the Can In series with all the other series that they're running there. You know, Iowa. You, you can't go. Don't forget with Iowa. There's there's a lot of tracks in the in that area too. You got Knoxville, you got a lot of dirt tracks, a lot of sprint car racing going on. They don't, they didn't want to double dip. You know, I understand. I just think, you know, they'd rather have a full weekend. They'd rather have a full double weekend than take a chance, roll the dice with, with stands half full, you know, with, with, with two separate weekends. I understand. Like I said, I just think that, you know, they should have been more flexible and, and figured something out. And, um, but here's the other thing too. Logistics on these teams having to travel, having the motels. I mean, if you look at what NASCAR is doing, where where are they going? They're within. They're pretty close to home. They're staying all within you know Charlotte. I mean, Darlington, Charlotte, Bristol, Atlanta. Those are all within what three four hours of, of Charlotte. Right. They are. So it makes sense with with Indianapolis. Most of with the with the with the tracks based in Indianapolis, you know, there's not too many options. Of course, they could have gone to Chicagoland, but that's another case. In well, <laughs> well, it's, well, Chicago's not open though, right? No, so they wouldn't be able to go to Chicago. I know 
It, it's tough. It's tough. I just think it's a mistake. You know, but like I said, uh, for the last, you know, three months, I think it was a mistake to shut down racing altogether because the interest that IndyCar would have gotten if they never shut down, and even if they had to sit there and run at tracks with no fans, because of the thirst of the average American for just wanting any sport uh, on TV and something to watch and something to gamble on, I think that, you know, they could have sat there and bumped the price up from NBC to, you know, it, it would they wouldn't have broken even. But it would have been a hell of a lot closer than if you just assume that they're going to run and there's going to be zero people. It, it would have been a hell of a lot closer than that. So, you know, I, 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 and I said the same thing with NASCAR. They did themselves a disservice. There's no other sport that it was able to social distance. You're able to sit there and still put on a hell of an event with no fans and keep, uh, you know, if you're in one of the quarantine or, you know, stay-at-home places, keep everybody safe, then auto racing. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to ask the question, to Indy Lights or not to Indy Lights? That is the question. <laughs> Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zaki along with Jeff Orlowski, the Polish Pipe Bomb, talking IndyCar racing on the Final Inspection Show. And uh, IndyCar's return to the track this weekend, and I should say tonight, at the Texas Speedway in Fort Worth. And an uh, uh, interesting article uh, by Nathan Brown of the Indy Star um, on how they're going about this. And he talked to uh, Jay Fry of IndyCar and they've been talking with um Indy, with NASCAR on how they're doing through the return of racing kind of comparing notes here. I thought this was an interesting uh point uh is uh what they're doing is they're chartering planes from Indianapolis flying down to Texas and um they're doing temperature tests for drivers, teams, series track and media personnel. Those flying on the charter planes from Indianapolis will be screened before and after takeoff as well as upon ent- entry to TMS. Individual with a temperature above 100 degrees, uh, guideline IndyCar adopted from the state of Texas, uh, will be evaluated further. If that uh, if that arises before they step onto the plane, drivers included, they'll be unable to travel uh, even while the series uses extra planes to help allow for social distancing. Once on the ground, IndyCar... Once on the grounds, IndyCar has adopted a handful of guidelines specific to its one-day event, separating the teams into uh, the Speedway's two-bay, 64-bay garages based on engine manufacturers, better to insulate the Honda and Chevy reps, assigning pit positions, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that was kind of interesting, too, is we're going to segregate the teams, and then from there you segregate the engine by engines, because you have the race engineers going from team to team. So that way you're kind of keeping the people kind of together as opposed to spread them out. And yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it's phenomenal that, uh, you know, 
as this last year has gone by, you hear more and more of NASCAR and IndyCar collaborating together, working together. Uh, you just mentioned the doubleheader, 4th of July weekend with Xfinity and IndyCar at Indianapolis. I think it it's all for the benefit of racing in general, and I think it's a great step in the right direction. 20, uh, the limit per team per car, 20, including the car owner and drivers. Does that count the chicks? No, I don't I don't think, I don't know. Or can, you can't bring arm I don't, candy. I don't think, no, no arm candy. I don't know if you're bringing the arm candy. Well, that's why F1 doesn't uh, have a big uh, a big foothold here uh, in uh, in the U.S. You know, it, it's a good idea. Yeah, Nathan Brown uh, from the Indy Star states here. Additionally, teams will be allowed a maximum of 20 personnel on the track grounds during race day, driver and team owners included, and owners only counting against one entry's cap. We said if you want to do it with 14, please bring 14, whatever's the minimum amount you can bring, uh, Fry said. All but a a couple of the teams have come back uh, substantially under the 20. It's all an effort to put on a great show, you know, even if there are no fans, much like what NASCAR has done the last few weeks. I feel like for the both of us, there's no margin for error, uh, Miles said, president of IndyCar. We have have to do our absolute best and execute well every time as – Every time we bring people to race, it's a never-ending ending improvement. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So it said, uh, yeah, it, it should be interesting how they do this. Now, of course, you know, it's, the real test, I think, is we see with all the protests that's happening, there's not social distancing. So the real test, I think, is going to be in, in about two weeks to see if there's a spike or not. You know, it, uh, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think that uh, it's a good idea. And with this year being um, obviously different than all the rest with the corona thing and everything like that, I, and you have to take in what people are comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. So are they going to draw as big as as they normally would have? Time will tell. Uh, So limiting the number of team members and all that is a good cost-cutting measure. Uh, With NASCAR, with not doing practice and qualifying, these teams are only bringing one car to the track. There's no backup car because you don't need it. Mm -hmm. When the first lap you take is when the green flag drops, you know, uh, the chances of you not being able to take the green flag are about (laughs) So these teams, you know, they're not having to haul a second car to the track. So it's all it's a cost saving measure as well, and it it goes along with you know trying to keep people healthy and all that. So good idea, and uh, I I can't wait to watch the race tonight. That's for sure. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. And uh, like we said earlier in the show, Road America is back on track. They're welcoming fans to all the upcoming events. No so no restrictions either. They're not you know. I know, like when uh, when we had um, uh, dude from Slinger on a few weeks ago, and, yeah, their opening weekend, which ended up getting rained out, they're open and and, and kicking ass now. But um, you know, they were going to limit capacity to like twenty five percent the first week. You know, uh, Road America is wide open, so you know that uh, it, it, it's good, and hopefully the crowds come out, man, and and hopefully. You know, now that auto racing is the only thing going, major sport, 
and this is your time to shine. And, you know, with these NASCAR weekday races and all this kind of stuff, you better get out to the tracks to support these guys. And if you can't, you better be sitting uh, your butt in front of the TV so, you know, your TV counts as viewership because these guys and the health of the sport going forward is depending on on all of the race fans. We have three rookies starting tonight, Oliver Askew, uh, Alex Palou, and Renus, uh, Renus VK, the Dutch driver. Um, and, of course, this is the first race with the aero screen, safety innovation for enhanced driver cockpit protection. That being said, I hope they don't drive like idiots tonight and think they're invincible because of that. Yeah, you know, I doubt it. I'm sure, you know, like NASCAR did, IndyCar will sit, sit them all down and I hope down, so. Oh, they will. You know, let's put on a good show. Let's not do anything stupid. Now that Penske's running it, you know, he's no dummy. So he knows, you know, what, what a good show and a bad show is. And I'm sure he'll, you know, uh, strongly urge these guys to keep their heads about him. Who do you think uh, are the rookies will be the first one to crash? Alex Polo. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dale Coyne. Uh, what else we have? Well, who's your pick for uh, for tonight in IndyCar at uh, at Texas? I I have no. I'll say Will Power. Will Power. Okay. When I think of Texas, I think of barbecue. When I think of barbecue, I think of Spencer Piggott, baby. Throw some pig on them coals. Get the barbecue sauce. Lather that sucker up. He's going to be taking home the checkers. The pig. Spencer Piggott. Give me the pig. Spencer Pick. <laughs> what about for the NASCAR race? NASCAR race, Atlanta, you know, immediately, I think, Kevin Harvick. Um, different different track, different temperature. Everything's going to be different. Um, I am going to go this week at Atlanta, Joey Logano. It worked for Chase Elliott. He got dumped, had some bad luck, comes back, gets a win in the truck race, win in the Cup Series. Joey Logano gets dumped. I think Joey Logano is going to come back and, and get another win. I will go with, uh, I'll go again, Ryan Blaney. Okay. You know, I think our money bet, Marcus, Jeff, and I down, the money bet is Kevin Harvick, but our pick, we didn't want to go chalk. Right. So we're. I'm going to go Ryan Blaney, and you're going to go. I'm going with Logano. I Logano. think Blaney Those is a good Penske dude, cars. a good guy to sit there and throw money down on every week because that win is coming. And I think Eric Jones is a how good long, guy as well, a long shot. How long before Joey Logano is a hair club member? <laughs> I don't think it'll be all that long. Were you surprised when you saw that? Yes. Yes, I was. I was. I was. Speaking from two guys that are follically challenged. Well, I got a five head, that's for sure, and it's quickly a uh, coming to five a and six. And a half. Yeah, it's uh, it's going south, going backwards. I still haven't given up though. I still haven't gone with it. I haven't shaved it yet. So I, holding off. I've shaved my head, uh, you know, a bunch of times. The before. Remnants of a great, once great empire. Oh, you got more here. Eh, we're about the same, right? Yeah, yeah I, get, I think we're about the same. But I'm, I'm much head. older than you. So. My dad had a bald spot in the back of his head, and I was always scared that I was going to. My get dad that. has had. My dad had more hair than me since I was about 20. Okay. My dad had hair all the way to the end. Yeah. You know, it's funny because... You go, and it's your, you go after your mother's. It's your mother's father. That's what I heard. Father. And I never I hear, met I, I, I he hear that all the time. Well, it's your, no, it's your mother's father. And I've never seen a... I think my last time my 
grandfather, my maternal grandfather, right? Yeah. Uh, had hair was probably when he was 15, so that's... I've never seen a photo. Obviously, I never met him because he was dead before I was born, but I've never see, even seen a photo of my maternal grandfather. Wait, what? Yeah. You've never seen a father, your, I mean, a photo of your grandfather? No. There's no photos of him? Not that we Is he a heard. vampire? I have no idea. I don't know. Well, was he from some third world country or was he lost in World War One? What do you mean no photos? Well, you know, my family, uh, many, many people go many years slash decades without speaking to each other. So, you know, I was well, what never... What does that have to do with a camera? Well, I was never close to my grandmother uh, oh, on there's a, there's a fissure. A fissure. Uh, oh, yeah. In the... So, you know... So with... I met her later on. Wait, so your father's parents, there was a problem? Family problem? My mother's parents. There was a problem. But yeah, between my mother and the parents. So you don't have a photo of, did you, uh, but he died before you he were born? He was dead before I was born. Okay. Huh. So I've never seen him, nothing. So You're listening know. to the Final Inspection Show <laughs> where we're talking about family secrets. Yeah, it on feels the like I'm Inspection laying down show. on the couch right now. Like I'm on an episode of Frasier. So there's no... Really, that's that's really huh weird, isn't it? Now, when we would come up in conversation, was there you just didn't speak about it, or how does one a young Jeffrey hear about this, or just kind of comes up? Where's Grandpa at Thanksgiving or something like that, or how did that come about? Well, I knew that he was dead. You know, uh, oh, that's right. He's dead before you were born. Yeah, okay. when I was a kid, was Grandma around? No, not until I was well in my teens, and then. Uh, when she started coming around, I w- she reached out to you then, or how did that work? No, um, I think w- one of the other sisters, you know, kind of put her and my mom. Can back I ask together. what the problem was? Was there a divorce or something? You you never found out. No, really. Yeah. See, it's interesting. My both of my parents are gone, but my aunt is still around. So when I visit my aunt, I get I get. Every you know, every time I see, her, I find out another couple of family secrets. Yeah, that's always interesting. Oh yeah, stuff. Because my parents were pretty, they were pretty forthcoming with stuff. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff in our family that's out there. I want, we're, we were kind of progressive that way. Okay, if you know what I mean. Yeah, very open. <laughs> and uh, uh, so with lifestyles of of, of family members and that so uh, you know it was not a, a big issue but there's there was some things that you know you hear and there as of every family my grandmother my my dad's mother and her sister went like 10 years without talking mm-hmm. my great aunt sally and my grand grandma zadki they didn't they didn't talk see that's a common all over my family yeah well that and you hear that, but I mean, they were, and it was, it was to the point where they kind of forgot what they were mad at each other about. I always get kicked out of that. Right. Well, I, yeah, there was some type of problem with so-and-so and I won't talk to him. Well, what was it? Well, I don't even remember anymore. Like, really? You're that petty? You know, just... you know that, that's how it goes. I haven't spoken to my mother in 20 years. Is there anybody that you won't talk to now? Yeah, my mother. Really? You? Oh, I see it. I've known now. I've known you for five plus years. I never knew that. Yeah, been twenty two years, twenty three years. I haven't said a word to her. Wow, 
Don't know where. Well, Family I, I secrets know she's still on the final inspection show. It. Really? Yeah. And then uh, my sister and my father didn't talk for about 15 years. They uh, reconnected, you know, shortly before he died. Um, but, uh, you know, my wife doesn't See, talk to I her reconnected father. with my, some cousins, I went, which I'm very close with my one cousin now. Yeah. And there's another cousin because there was a divorce and other stuff that happened. And, and so that kind of, that side of the family kind of went, you know, off to the side. I knew of them. Right. And, but then we reconnected over the last 10 years or that. So it's kind of cool that I got, you know. I just met one of my cousins for the first time five years ago. Okay, yeah. See, we hadn't seen each other for probably close to 35-some years. Yeah. Even though they were local. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I'd met her father. I knew her father. I'd met her father a couple times as a youngster and whatnot. But, yeah, just interesting. Yeah, well. Dr. Phil stuff on the final uh, inspection From uh, NASCAR picks to uh, therapy. That's uh, interesting. (laughs) Interesting stuff. Now you know a little bit more about us. So Steve (laughs) Zotke, Jeff Orlowski on the final inspection show. Coming up next, we're going to hear from some drivers in NASCAR. We'll let you find out in just a moment here. On the final inspection show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Final Inspection Show, Steve Zotke, Jeff Orlowski. My name is Mitch Ross. Got the truck race on here. Kyle Busch leading the way most of the race. And uh, went ahead and sped on pit road, so he's serving his penalty now. So we'll see how that one finishes down in Atlanta Motor Speedway. Speaking of Atlanta, Jimmy Johnson going to race tomorrow. His final start in Atlanta. And the press release came out uh, yesterday as he spoke to reporters. Atlanta Motor Speedway is going to name a grandstand after Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, the number 48 car. Again, he spoke yesterday to reporters and sort of began with his uh, with his sentiments on the honor provided to him from Atlanta Motor Speedway. Yeah, it means a ton to me. I mean, to have my name be on the grandstands there at the Speedway alongside of all the other greats. Uh, it's just super meaningful to me. You know, my final full-time year in Cup is uh, a little different than I imagined. I mean, our whole world's a little different than we imagined with COVID. So I know there were other plans to kind of go with uh, the events in, in Atlanta this weekend um, that, that won't be seen through, but it's still amazing to have my name on the grandstands there. I've seen a few pictures, and I can't wait to see it in person on Sunday. Awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and take questions for Jimmy. If you have one, two options to let us know. One would be to raise your hand in the Zoom platform using the blue hand. And then also, um, you can send us a chat as well if that's easier for you. So to kick us off, we're going to go to Bob Pockris. Uh, good morning, Jimmy. Um, I know you've done a lot of stuff through your foundation, giving to schools. And I think Bubba Wallace said that you had reached out to him this week. I'm curious, I know you're in the middle of the racing season, but have you started thinking about things, other things that you can do or potentially could do to, uh, to, in, in reaction to what's going on in society? Yeah, I think just generally that's the big question 
I have for myself right now. I'm trying to learn and educate myself um, and, and really listen during these times. Um, I, I find the more I listen, the more I, I learn. And, um, you know, that there's, there's a lot of noise out there right now, obviously. But, uh, you know, when, when you sit down and, and listen, you realize a lot of the injustices that take place across the broad spectrum. And um, as a, a figure of our sport and somebody that just is a citizen that cares in this country, I feel like, uh, you know, it, for me personally, it's really time to listen. And I look forward to the journey that takes me on and then the ways that I can be active. Thank you. Okay, our next question will come from Dustin Long. Dustin, go ahead. Thanks. Uh, a couple of things, Jimmy. Uh, I know Bubba mentioned having the conversation with you this week, and he said that mentioned it kind of there was an impact on him with having that conversation. How did the conversation with Bubba impact you? It, uh, you know, we we all are so active or so so busy is is the way to put it. Life is is going on. Our industry is so busy. And you just don't know what people live with and what people deal with. And, and Bubba's been a, a great friend of mine. Um, I, I've been in conversation with him with some of the uh, depression issues that he's battled over the years. And he's been able to share that publicly. Um, you know, things that drivers talk about in uh, the challenges we have in our teams and our jobs and relationships and life and things like that. So he and I have always just had an open line of communication and, and have talked on a deep level. And to start, I just called to check in with him. I just want to know how he was doing. And in that phone call, learned a lot about him and his family, the things that, that they've been through. Um, is it his cousin that uh, was, was killed when he was young? Um, so I learned that story. Um, and I, I just had no idea. And I had no idea the challenges he's been faced with. So um, again, that's part of that listening stuff that I mentioned earlier. Um, and I, I have many friends of color and race and just checking in with them and understanding you know, I'm just curious, how, how are you? How is this impacting you? And that's been a, a great um, learning point for me during these times. Also want to ask you is, I know you talk about listening and obviously that, that is a very important uh, thing in, at this time, but as NASCAR or is this sport being one of the few active sports out there with all the participants out there at a, at a time, I think there's a question of, is there something more that can be done in a more unified way? Obviously, certain voices have spoken up this past week in the sport. Is there any more that can be done even to like this weekend at a race in Atlanta? Or that expectation, is that unfair uh, to place such a burden on a sport like that? No, that's, that's a great question. And I, I think for those of us that ask ourselves, you know, is there more that we can do? That's, that's the start of it. And I think that's ultimately what a lot of the protesters um, far and wide want to uh, want to ignite in people is, you know, do you think you can do more? And when that really hits inside of you, will you act on it? And uh, I, I do think there's time to do stuff this weekend. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion going on behind the scenes with, with many drivers with our sports um, leaders of our sports. And, you know, I, I think there is time in, in a, in a to take place this week, uh, where we sit today and we don't continue to learn. We don't continue to evolve and, and fight for all injustices. Thank you. 
Okay, we'll take our next question from Jason Brown. Jason, go ahead. Thank you, Amanda. Jimmy, good morning. Thanks for taking the time. Um, apologies for the hard left turn from a subject matter, but after Bristol, you mentioned how you felt a year ago at Atlanta was a bit of maybe a wake-up call for Hendrick Motorsports, but you were excited to go back there based on what the success you saw at Fontana and then obviously the this limited success you saw at, at Darlington. I'm curious, without giving away too many trade secrets, um, what is it you felt you guys figured out from Atlanta from last year and, and now are so excited to go back this year? You know, Atlanta is just so abrasive that if you have any imbalances in your race car or you're overworking a particular corner, you have the wrong shock package, the wrong aero concept, whatever it is, like it's going to show up. A track is so abrasive. You get one lap with grip and then everything from there is downhill. So uh, we were able to really understand just how far off we were. And that, that, that was in a lot of areas. And I think we quickly addressed the mechanical grip issues that we had and our Hendrick cars were more competitive throughout the year. I feel like the nine car did an amazing job of, uh, of really putting some speed in their car and being consistent, calling good races and getting to victory lane. Um, so, so they were the high watermark for the HMS cars and we're all trying to get there. Um, and then you add in during the off season, how, the Chevrolets were allowed to make a new car, build a new car. And, and that, that was the final piece that we were missing. Um, we were able to get mechanical grip in the car, but it came, um, you know, the huge penalty for, uh, for drag and the car wasn't very efficient. And after NASCAR did a lot of research and taking all manufacturers to the wind tunnel, um, they were able to, to put some equality back into the build of the bodies. And uh, you add, you know, the, the new efficient race car that we have, the new efficient Camaro that we have with, you know, our, our journey last year on the setup. And we've, we have great cars. Um, I still think that, you know, we as a company have a little bit to gain on the tracks where we trim out more. Uh, Michigan would be an example of that. But when you look at Atlanta, Darlington, Fontana, these tracks with a lot of wear and that require a lot of downforce and grip, uh, we, we seem to have a really strong package right now. Thanks, Jimmy. Good luck on Sunday. Stay safe. Thanks. Okay, our next question will come from Lee Spencer. Lee, go ahead. Good morning, champ. Um, wanted to go back to kind of what Dustin was asking about what you can do. You've been so generous as far as funding educational programs around the country. Do you see education as one way people can get a step up that might not have been in that position before? Yeah, education has been a really important, um, you know, Shane and I both grew up in public school systems. Um, we understand the diversity in the public school systems. We understand the challenges in the public school systems. And to us, we've always felt like starting with kids is the most important um, part of the, the equation. And when you start, the earlier you start, the, the more hope you have for change in education and knowledge and, um, and ultimately better citizens in the country. So uh, better citizens of the world, you know, and understanding culture abroad. So education has been very important to us. And I, I think that is, in general is a, uh, should be a point of focus. It has been for us, you know, as I look in the future, what, what I do is I'm not a full-time racer. It's a little unclear right now where I take the Jimmy Johnson Foundation, but our focus has been on children for a reason. And, and we really feel like we can make change and really affect individuals' lives if we start young enough. And on a less, 
important question. Have you found ways, despite what's going on, to savor the moments of these racetracks, knowing that it could be your last time there? I, I guess and no. I mean, I guess this weekend will be a track that I won't see uh, again, potentially, uh, as a race car driver. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to have the, the moment with the grandstands being named after me. Granted, there's no fans there to celebrate it with. So it'll be interesting to see how I feel leaving the track this weekend. But knowing we have so many races left and we will be coming back to these tracks, um, it hasn't been on my mind. Fontana was, was out of this world. I mean, what a, an emotional and, uh, and special moment that was to go back to my home track for the final time and have fans in the stands and the full experience. So I guess I've been riding that high. Um, and, and, and I'm just happy to be back to the track. And my headspace has been more on back to some normalcy and back to racing than anything. Thanks, champ. Have a good, good luck this weekend. Thank you. Okay, we'll take our next question from Claire B. Lane. Claire, go ahead. And champion. And before you talk to Bubba, did you kind of feel like, hey, I'm just a driver. Uh, why would somebody care about what I say? Uh, you know, did you rethink your impact in general on, on any issue, right, as a sports figure? I'm sorry, Claire, I missed your first part there. Would you repeat your question? Sure. As a seven-time champion, uh, as a humble guy, uh, do you feel like before you talked to Bubba, you just thought, hey, I'm a racer. I, uh, who would want to know what I thought? Or why would it be important on any issue that you would speak up? You know what I'm saying? That you just felt like it maybe wasn't your role, even though you're seven-time champ. No, I mean, I feel like I've spoken up on issues through my career. Um, I, I feel like it's if you speak up on an issue, you really need to believe it in your heart and, and, and see it through at that point. I mean, that you're going to receive a pushback from, from anyone on any topic on the other side. So, you know, it's something that you need to believe in your heart and you need to uh, be passionate about uh, believing so I haven't you know I haven't stand and, and have a voice kind of lead me through my journey okay also with racing how it is with racing how it is right now uh, fast and furious and different than it normally is is it easier for you for the one last time or is it harder given how the schedule is now I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I have my, my job entails just the part that I love the most about my job, which is racing. So the corporate obligations have really um, slowed down. It's now basically some Zoom calls to be with fans or sponsors. You know, here we are, you know, in a media vault. Um, and I'm, I'm in Oklahoma with my in-laws. So uh, I, I'm able to really enjoy uh, the part that I love the most, which is driving and racing, and we're racing twice a week. So I, I've uh, I've kind of enjoyed the schedule and the challenge that's come with it. Thank you, Jimmy. Good luck this weekend. Okay, Thank our you. question will come from Alex. Alex, go ahead. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for taking the time this morning. Um, I'm curious just how, how you learned about George Floyd and the protests, and then how you sort of navigated in the days that follow you know, what do I do? How do, like, what do I say? Who do I talk to? How do I post? 
Um, what was sort of your thought process with that? Yeah, I saw it through um, social media. I typically don't have the news on um, with kids and such in the house. We were just not big TV folks. So I've learned through watching on social media. Um, the uh, What was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. Just sort of what your response was uh, and how you went about thinking about, you know, how, how do I use my voice now? Yeah, I, mean, I definitely was pulled to making statements and wanted to, to share my point of view. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've had a, oops, sorry guys, I got a call coming, let me decline this. Am I back? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll turn off. Airplane mode, sorry, I'm a rookie. I'm learning my Zoom stuff. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the question again. I'm so sorry, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's just like you know, I, I feel like that that race before everyone has been super consumed with you know the NASCAR season, and then you know this huge social issue comes out of left field almost. It feels like, and then now NASCAR is back as the only sport. And how is you as a driver? How are you sort of sitting at the center of this, trying to deal with okay, what what's my next step to yeah. respond? I follow you. I, I feel like in my position and who I am as an individual, I, yeah, I, I want to have a voice and I do want to uh, stand up for injustices. So I've, I've been trying to find my voice. And I, I think part of that journey is to educate myself. Um, and then I've been very deep in that and trying to learn and educate um, and on the phone with friends of mine, like Bubba Wallace, um, other friends of color, and race that uh, I've known through the years and just checking in and just trying to understand and asking them deeper questions um, you know, that kind of haven't come up in our uh, relationship, you know, so far and uh, to learn and understand just how far and wide and how frequent that uh, my friends have dealt with issues that, um, you know, it's helping me find my voice and, and, and have clarity in the situation and, and all the noise that's out there. Um, you know, it's obviously a, a very divisive topic and, and there's a lot going on in the media. So uh, I found it's in my opinion, the, the best route is to talk to my friends of color and, and understand their perspective to help me understand my, uh, my perspective and, and find my voice ultimately. There is Jimmy Johnson, number 48 car getting ready to race tomorrow. Spoke to reporters yesterday, a lot of good stuff there uh, regarding from Jimmy regarding what's going on in the world right now that's going to do it for us here on the final inspection show steve zotke jeff orlowski myself mayor mitch ross back again next week to talk about more racing right here on 105.7 fm the fan This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.